I V M. Welcome to Edges and Sledges, episode 15. We, today, it's been a busy, busy week in the world of international cricket, and we're going to try to round up everything that has happened, have some discussion about a couple of the different series. But before we get into that, my name's Ashwin. I'm, uh, you know, live blogging from Toronto. With me, I have my two co-bloggers, um, first Varun from Singapore, and as always, DJ from uh, London as well. So thanks for joining us today, guys. So let's jump right in. You know, there's a few things we're going to run in, run into, run through today. The first is we're going to talk about the India-Afghanistan loan test match that happened that had a lot of hype before mm. it. Then we're four out of five ODIs into the England-Australia ODI series. Then there's been lots and lots of news and records being shattered across the globe in the uh, women's game. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we will wrap up with our favorite segment, Edge or Sledge, which I'll remind everybody what it's about. And then we'll go through five topics and get everybody's point of view. So let me start by quickly summarizing the India-Afghanistan series, and I'll throw to Varun to get some point of view. So, you know, amidst much hype, there was one test match scheduled between India and Afghanistan in Bengaluru. Afghanistan had actually just come fresh off of beating Bangladesh in three T20s, which we talked about in our previous episode. So lots of excitement about Afghanistan and their test status and doing well in the game. And of course, then they came in India, uh, batted first, hit 474. And then Afghanistan got dismissed twice in the same day, 20 wickets falling in the same day, for 109 and 103. So ultimately, Afghanistan lost by an innings in 262 runs, which was India's biggest test victory. And actually... Um, the match was done within two days. So a little bit disappointing across the board. Varun, let me throw to you to get your overall opinion on the game and, and thoughts on should it have happened and, and how it ended up. Yeah, so I think um, disappointing overall, especially after seeing Afghanistan's story um, and road to the World Cup, after seeing some of their key players in the IPL, after all the hype, I can say with certainty that I think it was necessary for it to happen. It's a good start, but yes, it was disappointing. I think, you know... I, th- I think red ball cricket is very different to white ball cricket. I think Afghanistan probably took the first two and a half sessions of the first day to realize that. Rashid Khan wasn't getting into his groove. Mujib was struggling as well. Um, Shikhar Dhawan was just making uh, merry in the middle. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it was necessary. But le- let me put it this way. I wasn't shocked. Let me. I think the only thing I was shocked about is that it finished in two days. Personally, I was even considering fly, flying down to watch day two and three in Bangalore. And um, in hindsight, I'm glad I didn't because before day two was over, it was actually wrapped up. And I, rem- and I remember Ashwin messaged me on Monday that week on day five saying, man, the test match was actually supposed to be on its final day today. Uh, but it actually wrapped up three days ago. So, a little bit disappointed. You mentioned Rashid Khan. DJ, let's talk a little bit about that. There was a lot of hype before the series where some of the Afghani players were even saying, hey, maybe we have better spinners than the Indian team. Let's talk about Rashid Khan, one of the most dynamite ODI and T20 bowlers we've discussed. We've shown a lot of love for him on this show. What happened? I don't know. Maybe it was the big stage. Maybe they got cold feet. Maybe it's just a different format. And it kind of brings you to the point that uh, Afghanistan is a product of the time cricket is now played in. They've grown up playing T20 cricket. It is. It, they haven't, I mean, it, it comes back to the question, who has time for a game that lasts five days, right? And the Afghanistanis have done really well in one-day cricket, uh, and they've done pretty well in, in, in T, T20 cricket. So, I mean, Rashid Khan, uh, great bowler, T20 bowler, 
maybe he had a, a bit of a rough start to his test career but i mean he's he's only 18 so there's lots of kind of time for him to learn and hopefully afghanistan get more and more games and maybe we'll talk about the um, the future tour program later in the in the show but uh, i mean he, they they can take heart from the fact that they made a comeback into the game uh, and his bowling got better as it kind of uh, got more into the game so a uh, disappointing start for him but i mean he's he's got a long way to go Yeah the I mean the only thing I would add to that that I think is is an interesting one is I think Afghanistan needs to be playing more test cricket that's not with the top 3 top 4 side so that means continue playing more mm-hmm. test cricket with the ranked seven, team side teams ranked 7 8 9 West Indies Sri Lanka play against the England Lions play against Dravid India A side they need to be getting red ball cricket under their belt against these teams where they can get good practice before they come on and play against a side like india but i think that was clear okay before we wrap up this topic i'm going to ask a couple of questions about team india so any any big you know just to quickly summarize vijay and dhavan made centuries at the top of the order rahul continued his glorious ipl form with a 50 pujara you know 35 so not great but uh, better than the horrendous english season he's been having rahane as skipper failed and then karthik um had a had a rough outing but he was run out so we give him some credit before pandya came and hardik pandya came and hit another 71 so varun let's start with you kohli missed out on this there was a lot of you know a negativity and irritation on why kohli skipping an afghanistan match was it the right move and where does he slot back in into this lineup that made 400 plus yeah i, I mean i think kohli was um, doing bigger and better things he was focusing on swachh bharat and you know clean bharat clean india he was catching people on the street littering and uh, was a good citizen of india so i think being a good citizen tops playing for your country um but yeah on a on a on a serious note um i i mean there's no doubt that kohli will slot back in i think the biggest question in all forms of the game is going to be kl rahul um you know let's talk a little bit later about ambati raidu and uh, yoyo hani singh or rather the yoyo fitness test um and and how that kind of played out but i think the the positive for india is you got kl rahul on the bench who can slot into any of the top 3 or 4 positions um and i think i think that was the biggest takeaway for me pujara through his county through the last uh, few games hasn't had the best outing but again he's the kind of player i would not leave out of any side and um, yeah and 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 i just want to say it one last time that i think when 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 the stars align for you i think somebody like dinesh karthik uh, is walking into the team uh, test team or team t20 team i think um, he needs to capitalize and make the most of it dj let's pivot to the bowlers really quickly then going into england for five test matches it's pretty clear ashwin and jadeja collectively picked up i think 11 wickets so it's pretty it seems pretty sure shot that those are the two spinners a going to england do you think we'll play two spinners in the 11 and then b umesh ishant and hardik pandya is that the three seam option or is there going to be some shaking up before england so i think um, only one spinner will play and i think that will be ashwin um just because of the variety that he brings to the attack and i mean he bowled beautifully the ball to dismiss um their captain um then noroz mangal stanikzai yeah stanikzai uh, was just a fantastic ball and um, i mean uh, ashwin shown that it's not just t20 that he's got up his uh, sleeve uh, i think the bowling attack in england will be uh, four quicks and one spinner i've said ashwin will be the spinner bhuvneshwar kumar leader of the attack and did really well last time I think we need a bit of pace, so Umesh Yadav makes it in for me. Uh, Ishan Sharma 
<laughs> it was noticeable the length that he bowled was very different. Uh, quite full, got flicked away a few times on uh, the leg side. Um, but I think definitely given his experience in um, in England with the county circuit, I think he makes it in as the um, second seamer. Uh, Hardik Pandya is obviously the third seamer, and then that leaves one more slot. Now, whether it's just be Chesprit Bumrah or Mohammad Shami, I think it's going to be Bumrah uh, that takes that spot, just because they'll be showing in South Africa. So that that for me is the uh, is the bowling lineup for India for the England Test. Uh, it's interesting actually when you brought up Dinesh Karthik. Is he going to uh, edge Saha out? Do you guys think that? No, no. I I, I think he will. I think. Uh... Like I said, I think having one keeper across all forms has a lot of positives as well. I think he will um, he will push Saha out of the side eventually. Yeah, I was just going to say I agree with that. I think that he's going to slot in uh, into that test keeper slot. Now, whether he makes makes that count remains to be seen. Okay, so that wraps us up on the India-Afghanistan. We're going to move to the dif- to a different part of the world where there's been plenty of runs scored in both format in all formats of the game, um, which is in England, where Australia has been touring England for a five ODI series. Remember, this is an Australia side missing uh, arguably five to six of their lead 11 ODI players. But, you know, we're four ODIs in as we at the time of recording this and uh, England have swept in all four. So, uh, you know, and, and again, mostly driven on the back of England's um, incredible top order batting lineup, you know, with Root, uh, you know, not even performing as well as he could. Just Roy, Hales, Bairstow. You know, really outshining uh, most other batting lineups in the world, arguably right now. So, DJ, you know, you being our England resident England expert, let's start with you. How is what's your overall take on the on the four England ODIs so far? At the moment, they look unstoppable, and they look they look like they could chase literally any any score. So, I'd even go as far as saying that they are stronger than um, the Indian batting lineup at the moment in, in One Day Internationals. Okay. Uh, apologies to those of you who had some tech issues. I think there seems to be a connectivity challenge, but let's keep going. I heard the end of what DJ was saying. Varun, any thoughts or anything to build on that? Yeah, so I think, um, I mean, completely agree with DJ. I think the one point I want to call out is Ben Stokes is not even in this lineup. So um, they're going to have to debate and decide who to even play. I mean, the fact that Alex Hales, an opener, is batting at three and scoring 147 is amazing. Uh, if Morgan will be the highest ODI scorer, it, it kind of shows me that it's a it's a new team, it's a young team. But let's not forget that while the batting lineup is fantastic, this team struggles against Pakistan, Bangladesh, India, and Sri Lanka. And the one thing they have in common is spin bowling. So um, I think I think that is going to be the challenge. I, I vaguely remember sitting with Ashwin at a bar in London last year, watching the Champions Trophy match where England kind of completely got steamrolled by the Pakistan attack. So so that can't be taken out of the question. I think I think if I was England um, right now, if I was the English team, I would be very focused on making sure that I get my spin, uh, that, that I face enough spin bowling in the next 12 months. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that makes a ton of sense. The other thing about a, about a multi-nation tournament with knockout matches is it comes down to one good day. And we've seen while this England side can make their 300, 350, 400 plus totals, they've also been dismissed for under 100 a few times. And how do you you know leverage the strength of the top six batting uh, lineup that you have to, to, be, to be more consistent? And do they need one player in there or does Root need to step up and be that consistency that they are around which the other guys can just go nuts and, and hit? Sixes. So, actually, can, can I just throw yeah. one stat out yeah. there? Actually, apparently, so someone was telling me this last Sunday, so it doesn't take into account the game that's just happened 
happen. But apparently, out of the last 44 times that England could make more than 300, right? So either they've batted first or they've chased more than 300. They've done that 29 times, which is, I mean, it's a great stat. There's lots of stats that like people throw around, but this is just a great stat because it's saying that 60, almost 66% of the time, England are uh, scoring more than 300. Whether batting first or batting second, and I mean, it's it's incredible for what what they've done from where they were three years ago. So, uh, more definitely the most improved side, and I, I I almost say they'd be favourites for the World Cup next year, even more than India. Although it hurts my heart to say that. I mean, incredible world record score, right? 481 for six. Um, at one point, he thought that he they'd go on to 500 near.
And then was dis- it was, we were all disappointed to learn he failed the what's called the yo-yo test, which is a fitness test. And so the man who made his way back into the squad after many, many years of not having played an ODI for India is, you know, one one of our favorites, uh, Suresh Raina. So let's go to Varun first, <laughs> celebrating already. Suresh Raina back in India's ODI squad. Edge or sledge? It's a definite sledge, man. It's a sledge. It's a pat on the bum. It's the pull of the hair. It's it's everything. Um uh, I mean, on a, on a more serious note, I, I feel bad for Ambati Raidu, man. I think it was probably one biryani too many over the Eid holidays. Um, the yo-yo test is a standard for everyone. Sanju Samson failed it. Months he's done nothing but focus on fitness. Yuvraj Singh has failed it. So, look, it, it's a part of the game. It's a part of the Indian team selection criteria. And if you want to play, you have to pass it. So, I think, um, I, I mean, I don't know how to answer edge or sledge for this. I, I'm basically going to say that I think it's the right decision for the broader, uh, the broader Indian cricket team. DJ, what about you? I don't know. I, I think it's touch and go because I think there's a lot of place in, for skill in the game. Um, but that said, I mean, you need to be fit enough to play it and you need to be good in the field. And I mean, Raidu's been looking okay in the IPL. Maybe it was just too much um, too much cricket that's got him. But apparently, felt short by quite a, uh, a distance, which is surprising because he's 32. He's the same age as us. And uh, Varun and me, in any event. Uh, so, for him to fail the yo-yo test is disappointing. I think for him, after having such a great IPL and kind of finding his way back into the fold, it's it's just a shame. And I think touch and go also because uh, mixed feelings about Suresh and are making him back into the one-day team. I think it's almost a step backwards in some ways. I mean, we've got enough bat- batting and we've got the all-rounder. So, I'm, I'm not sure there's place for, for Rena. But here we are. Here we are. And maybe the team will be uh, really bucked up by, by his return. Sorry, I, I just want to call out also one point. I genuinely believe Suresh Rana won't play. And I, I really do believe that they will give the number four slot to KL Rahul now that Ambati Raidu is not playing. And I think they'll probably give Rahul three months or so to own that spot. If he can make number four his own, the slot is his. Um, if he can't, then I think the, it, it comes down to a specific niche and Rahul probably fits a top three, but not a top four because every role in ODI cricket is different. But my, my genuine belief is Suresh Raina will not play. It will be KL Rahul as number four. Guys, but what about Rahane? I mean, Rahane had a poor test match again. He had a poor IPL. Uh, he's obviously the vice captain of our test team. What, is, what are we doing about Rahane? Uh, it, I don't know. I'm, I'm beginning to get a little worried about him. Uh, I really like him as a player, but I'm not sure how 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 long he can continue to perform in the competitive lineup that we have. I mean, you've got at least in the Test match, you've got Vijay, Shikhar, Pujara, Kohli. Number five is Rahane, but should it be Rahul? Yeah, I, I mean, I I agree with you. I'm also a big fan of Rahane, but I think there's only so often you can underperform and and continue to get a shot. So, I think it's still early for me to let to pull the plug on the Rahane. Uh, investment, but I think I think it's it's going to happen if he doesn't perform. I mean, we have a five-test series in England. If he doesn't deliver ahead of most of the other team members, he's going to struggle. Just to mm-hmm. just to bring it back to 
what we were the edge or sledge topic for Raina in the ODI squad. For me, it's a huge edge as well. I just echo you guys that disappointing to see a player like Raudu who got his shot fail um, on a fitness test, but I, I accept and respect the fitness test. But more than that, the edge that they brought Raina back in. I do also fully agree with Varun that I don't think th- that slot will be used. I don't think he'll play. To me, the amount of experience and learning somebody newer or younger, whether it's a punt or somebody else, would have gotten from touring with the national side outweighs the need for somebody like Raina with, quote, experience, because it's not a young side anymore. You have Dhawan and Rohit at the top. You have Kohli coming later. It's not a young batting lineup. You don't need to value that experience. I think I would I would have valued that youth a little bit more. So my take on that is it's an edge. So two for two edges for me, actually. Let's keep going. I'm going to... The third topic is something that came up in the news a little earlier today, so I haven't shared this with you guys, so surprise. But Sachin Dundulkar came out making a statement today in light of the 481 and the extreme high scoring, saying, guys, two new balls being used in ODIs is too much. We have lost the art of reverse swing. Um, it's been a long time since we, we've seen the ball reverse in ODIs because that happens late with a slightly older ball. But with two new balls being used, one from each end, neither of them gets more than 25 overs. So, DJ, let's start with you this time. Um, enter Sledge, the use of two new balls and such a statement against it. It, it kind of gets us back to the whole uh, what, what should the condition of the ball be allowed to become. Um, and the ball tampering controversy. But uh, I think cricket was better off with one ball. They just couldn't figure out how to make it last 50 overs. So they changed it at 34 overs. You've got ODIs where teams are struggling to score 220-230. And then you've got ODIs where teams are scoring 480. I think it's it's just a function of the pitch. So I don't think the two new balls plays as, a big, as big a role as it's made out to be. Yeah, and just to add to that, actually, we haven't seen the ball reversing in one-day cricket, which is fine. Why not make the boundaries bigger? And then you've got the new ball and you've got skillful fast bowlers who can use that. I mean, it should be fine. And the ball starts reversing almost 20 overs in. So each ball, the last 10 overs, both the balls should reverse. So I mean, uh, it depends I on where the, you're playing, I guess. But I think maybe making the boundaries bigger rather than having one ball which gets changed in 35 overs is, is a better idea. I think we should extend the boundaries to uh, Peter Maritzburg, right? Like when Andy Caddick was bowling to Sachin. Yeah, I have nothing else to add. I agree with you guys. I think the, the two new balls added a good element. I think bowlers will evolve. They just haven't done so yet. So it'll take a little bit of time, but they will evolve and the game will get better. Um, let's keep moving. You, DJ mentioned this briefly, but we're the, our fourth topic for Edris this week is Dinesh Chandimal, Sri Lanka captain, was found with using a sweet and pretty much caught on video um, using a sweet to shine the ball. In light of everything that the world, that the cricketing world has just been through with ball tampering, overall edge edge or sledge in terms of the decision to continue using sweets because they've been used forever. But edge or sledge uh, on Dinesh Chandimal ball tampering and the reaction of the cricket board. Varun, let's start with you. Yeah, so I think for me now the standard has changed. I think so long as he didn't stuff the sweet wrapper down his pants or his crotch, I think it's fair, man. Why not? I think um, so long as it's all visible on TV, um, it's quite sweet if you ask me. So, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Man. I, I, I think sweet saliva, sandpaper, um, I, I think it's all against... Um, uh, not saliva, of course, but zippers, sweets, sandpaper. I think it's all against the game. I think uh, they, they need to figure out a way to ban all of this. People have been doing this for a long time. Trescothic even had his favorite kind of sweet 
to do this. Apparently, he was the boss manager during the 2005 Ashes. So, uh, I think the issue with it is that Chandimal has been too stupid. Uh, getting caught so quickly straight after the South Africa controversy is that's the stupid part. And I mean, doing it so obviously and then acting like he's not done anything. He, I think he deserves to be banned for being stupid. I also don't like Chandimal very much. So, <laughs> I think he should be banned. Fair enough. I don't have a point of view as strong on Chandimal, but I echo that last sentiment. I think it was a stupid decision. I think the other thing that's interesting is you have to now realize, you, as a visiting nation, the home broadcaster is watching you like a hawk. The cameramen are mm-hmm. all over you, whoever's got the ball. That's what happened with the Aussies in South Africa. That's what happened with Sri Lanka and West Indies. It is going to continue to happen. So, although in, yeah. in when you're touring away from home in the West Indies, the grounds were pretty empty. There were no Sri Lankan fans. You kind of feel like you may be playing a club match. It's really important to remember mm-hmm. the broadcasters are... are watching you actively so that's why i think and there, there was a really interesting article about this in uh, in on Prick info as well saying how come the host nations never get caught it's a very interesting article so i think our listeners and viewers should you should go and uh, read that i think it's on uh crick info that it basically says uh maybe summit ball um has written it and it basically says the home team never gets caught ball tampering which is a the astute observation i think yeah, absolutely. That's exactly it. And why would you? Why would you, as a cameraman, be watching your own favorite cricketer, your captain, temper the ball? You look away conveniently. Okay, our final one, guys. In the last two weeks, two three weeks, we've been broadcasting. We had um, Scotland beating England and giving um, giving Pakistan a scare. It was, you know, it's been it's been fascinating for the world of lower or ranked teams playing higher ranked teams. We've had on the FIFA World Cup side, we've had some really big upsets. So the Iceland doing great against the Argentinians. Um, so there's been lots of great stories backing, hey, let's these these underdogs, the minnows. But then right after that, we had India thrash Afghanistan in the test match in two days. In a crowded cricket calendar, um, how do you guys feel about top-ranking teams making the time to play against lower-ranked teams? DJ, let's start with you. I think it's a, it's it's really challenging that. Um... Because a lot of cricket is now driven by broadcast rights. And yes, there was interest in the first Afghanistan-India test. But will there be interest in the, I don't know, 15th Afghanistan-India test? Um, so, and someone suggested this quite um, soon after India beat Afghanistan. So convincingly saying, if Sri Lanka and Bangladesh and the West Indies can swallow their pride and say, okay, we are not top tier. And you have two tiers of test cricket with all the newcomers. And you have the big four, five, whatever they are, six, I think it's India, Australia, England, South Africa, New Zealand, and maybe even Pakistan. They did the top six play tier one cricket and uh, the, the other others play uh, tier two cricket. That might actually be a solution with two people going in and out every two years and have to pack for, for promotion. Um, otherwise, I don't see how, how this is sustainable. Uh, it just isn't going to be sustainable, and you've seen Scotland haven't got any uh, coming up in the in the future tours program. And so for me, it, it's basically an edge. Um, it's very difficult to to manage practically unless people actively say we're not good enough for this level, and we're going to have two tiers of Test cricket and go from there. Varun, let's come to you. Uh, I mean, I'll take a I'll take a different approach, more for the just the debate sake. I think I think it's great that they played. I also read recently that after this test, Afghanistan's next test will be against Australia in 2020, right? So if there's a two and a half year gap um, between their first test and their second test, 
they're not going to improve. Like, what chance are we giving them to improve? So it's it's a it's a touch and go for me. The cricket calendar is packed. All of us actually want to see good cricket. All of us are disappointed that a five day game finished in two ga- two days. So it's it's very tough. I don't have an answer to this, but what I would say is, if you're taking a decision to allow them to play test cricket, give them the right opportunity, and that's where what DJ said probably makes sense. Have a second tier where they can play more regularly and 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 incentivize the top one or two teams to be able to move to the top tier. Yeah, I, I echo that. I think that might make a ton of sense. I just go back to the comment I made. If I was Afghanistan and I'm the board and I'm the ICC. You know, the England Lions side right now, for example, is a stacked 11. The India A team is a stacked side. We should be booking uh, test matches between Afghanistan and India A and England Lions and those sorts of teams so that they get that match practice under the belt with players that may have been in, in another year good enough to make their national side. It's just so that they're not the top 11, they're the next 11. So I, I agree with that. I think it's it's a such a delicate balance that for me it's a little bit touch and go we all need to see good cricket but at the same time we need to keep giving these players a shot otherwise it'll disappear and cricket will become more and more exclusive and small i think that brings us to the end of our interested section the, the last thing i just wanted to chat and and you know get your quick soundbite on is this 17 year old kiwi girl who scored amelia Kerr, who scored 232 not out the highest ever score by a, a female cricketer made on the last ball with a six and then lo and behold she went off the field took a quick nap during the lunch break and came back and p- picked up five for 17 in the same match um just an unbelievable cricketer did either of you have a chance to see or uh, you know see the scorecard of that match any thoughts closing thoughts on on this girl or the, the actual game yeah, I, I saw the scorecard and I just want to say that I'll, I'll be very happy to kick Hardik Pandya out of the team and bring her in if she's, if she's ready to match at number seven for India. I think, I think it's Listen, man, don't, don't hate on Pandya like that. So, so sad. Also, what I li- really liked about her is how she's going to like celebrate. Apparently, she was going to go and watch some Love Island <laughs> and, <laughs> and chill out. Just like that is a great like way to celebrate as a 17-year-old. What's Love Island? Mud Island? Dude, Come to my island. No. <laughs> okay. I, I think we've come to the end of this. I think show. that's it. That's a good point. As good a point as any to wrap up. Um, folks, thank you for joining us this week. We apologize for technical issues. We're still trying to make the best of a situation where three of us are in three different countries, often doing different things. So we appreciate the patience with us. Um, like us, on, follow us on Facebook, subscribe to our podcast, um, subscribe to us on YouTube as well. And, you know, again, download our podcast, give us a rating on the iTunes store if you can. That helps us get more listeners. We are uh, the one tip one hand team the podcast is called edges and sledges thank you so much for joining us have a wonderful rest of your week hello 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 everybody it's been another great week on the ibm podcast network on what the hell navya jaya bachan shwetananda and navya herself dish out stories from their childhood they discuss tough love between parents and their kids on Pesa Vesa, Anupam talks to Bama Nirani, President-elect Kredai, and Chairman and MD at Rustamji. They discuss the concept of buy versus rent and how to approach buying property in 2022. On Cock and Bull, Cyrus is joined by Meghnath and comedian Shad Shafi. They discuss their opinions on the ongoing Congress presidential elections and Prashant Kishore embarking on a padyatra. On The Life Manifesto, Zarina narrates a story that advocates that stress and emotions are not to be controlled but must be beautifully managed. And on the Filter Coffee podcast, Karthik is joined by Yashraj Akashi. 
senior ambassador of the TEDx program and curator of TEDx Gateway. They discuss the origin story of TED and its franchise model. Guys, go to our website, ivmpodcast.com. You can check out the merch store, also links to all of our social media stuff, which is at IVM Podcast. Also, do check out our YouTube channels. We have a number of channels with many of your favorite shows available as full video podcasts. Finally, we'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Volvo XC40 Recharge, Bumble, Heads Up for Tails, and HDFC Mutual Fund. Thank you so much for making this possible. Do you often find yourself surrounded by conversations about Web3, blockchain, NFTs, DAOs? What are these terms and how do they affect our future on the internet? So many questions, but don't worry, we've got answers to all your questions. Hi, I'm Eklavya Bhattacharya and on our show Future Proofing, we try to decode the impact of these future technologies on various industries with experts and tech enthusiasts. Tune into new episodes coming out every Thursday on the IBM Podcast app and the website or wherever you get your podcasts from. Working Monday to Friday glued to your chair making you feel dull? Worry not. Get your 5-minute weekly dose of travel around the world with postcards from nowhere. Join me every Thursday as I explore the strange, obscure and fascinating parts of the world and bring out facets of travel you may not have thought of before. You can find us on the IBM Podcast app, website or wherever you get your podcast from.